I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig it? Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome back to the Borough Breakdown podcast with me, Johnny, Dana and Tom Green. And we are the Borough podcast that gives you the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs of Millsborough Football Club. But before we kick things off this week, I just have one favour to ask. And I know I sound like a broken record here, but if you can give us a five-star written Apple podcast or give us a follow on Spotify, SoundCloud or whatever podcast app you listen to us on, please do. Um, this helps notify you on our latest podcast and especially we're doing more podcasts next year. We have obviously Borough Breakdown, but also Borough Stories too, so you don't want to miss out on any of that, but it also helps Borough fans find us around the globe, so you're doing your little bit there as well. Um, now anyway, now the housekeeping is over and done with, let's chat about the Borough. And while Middlesbrough made it four wins from five in the championship with a 3-1 win over Wickham Wanderers yesterday, putting Borough in a seventh place in the championship table um, with a game in hand as well on fifth. Um, but this was the first time that Halloween 2017 that Middlesbrough won 3-1 away from home. But also, it's the Middlesbrough have not lost a game in a calendar year. Well, first game of the new calendar year uh, since 2013. So an eight-game unbeaten streak. Eh? New year, new borough. Shame it goes downhill from here. <laughs> um, so let's let's chat about Wickham first. Dana, Neil Warnock, he made three changes to the side that lost to Sheffield Wednesday earlier in the week with Max Tavernier, Marcus Brown and Big Tube Rackpom all coming into the side. And they certainly repaired Neil Warnock's faith, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I thought all three of them were, were excellent. I saw a couple of tweets about Tuba during the game saying that, you know, what does he do? He's not been good. But I actually thought he was really good yesterday. He's hold-up play for someone who, who even I've said is not a lone striker, was really good against Wickham. And his his movement really makes Borough work in the final third. And the fluidity in that front four was really brought about by Tuba Pom and his movement. So... He did really well. Marcus Brown seized his opportunity. It was really good to see him score. It was just the only bad thing about the game was that he didn't bust those moves that we've seen on Instagram to celebrate the goal. That was the only shame about that. But he did well. And Tav, fair play. He had probably the best game I've seen uh, of him in a shirt. He was very, very good. And you can't really ask for, for much more. They all, all three of them got on the score sheet, like you said, and, and the changes really paid dividends for Borough. Yeah, they really did. I thought Borough were, were excellent yesterday, especially going from, from 1-0 down to bring the game back. But Tom, Borough seemed to be sticking with that back four now, um, from changing from the three that we started earlier in the season, and the three at the back got a lot of praise at the time. Um, What do you think being the most effective system for Borough this year? Because at the start of the game yesterday, I thought we looked really shaky. I think in in terms of being more effective, I think it is the three slash five at the back. Um, I think with the three centre backs there, it is keeping it a lot more compact in in the middle of the the box, and then you have got the two wing backs to to come back and help defend as well. Um, Long term, I don't think that's going to be one we would stick with. Um, I think Warnock said when he came in, and we all kind of knew from his days at, at Cardiff and and beyond that anyway that he does tend to play with that four three three. 
Um, I think there was probably some tactical familiarity with that three slash five, um, probably carrying over from Pulis and Woodgate. I know Woodgate did have to switch back to it at, uh, later on. Um, but it's it's good to see that we're we're sticking with the four now. And I think the longer we do that, the more, like I say, tactical familiarity will, will come with that. Um, and it will be just as effective. Yeah, I, I agree. And do you think, uh, Tom, that when a team does play three at the back, now sometimes a team can do it t- tactically to try and improve things down on the wide, uh, down on, on wide would also help switch the play a lot quicker as well. But sometimes managers play a three at the back because they're not confident within the back four or playing like a two, uh, two centrally. Do you think Neil Warnock's actually got to this point where he trusts Dale Fry and Paddy McNair now as the centre-half so he can play Dyke Steele and Bowler out wide? Yeah, definitely. But I think it's also the, the trust probably more in bowler on the left-hand side than than Dykesdale. Obviously, Dykesdale was part of the three, um, but now that bowler's stepped up, and, I mean, he, he has done for, what, the last couple of months, uh, and is actually pretty much our first choice left-back now. I think he does have a decent amount of trust in all of those members of the back four now to, to be able to play that system. Yeah. Who's George Who's George Friend? Huh? You've got Mark Bowler. Who's George Friend? And what? <laughs> um, but Dana, yesterday saw Middlesbrough have the most possession they've had all season. It was a, a high uh, during the game was at sixty-two percent, where even down to about fifty-nine percent uh, towards the end of the game. Were you were you happy with how Borough controlled the game yesterday? Given we we did go goal down at the time, I was to be fair. I mean, I was looking at the stats from the Sheffield Wednesday game. We had sixty percent possession in that one. So the difference between the Wickham game and the Sheffield Wednesday game was that we were much more effective with the ball. Whereas at Hillsborough, we obviously we did dominate possession, like I just mentioned there, but we didn't we didn't do enough with it. We got into some really good positions, which obviously we'll we'll talk about Sheffield Wednesday a lot more later. But we just didn't capitalise on it. And yesterday we found a weakness in in uh, Wickham's game, and we exploited it. And I think that's the the biggest part of of that game. Yes, we did dominate possession, but it was our efficiency with it and knowing what to do with it that really helped us yesterday. And um, yeah, it was a it, it was a really good performance for us to turn it around as well in the first half. It was uh, it, it was good because I was a little bit fearful when they went one nil up because uh, they had us exactly where they wanted us. We were trying to push up, trying to equalise uh, up the ante a little bit, and they were just trying to stop the rhythm of the game, trying to stop us uh, getting much momentum. Um, conceding fouls to break up the play and frustrate us. And then when we got that equaliser, it just alleviated the pressure from us and put it on Wickham. And then it was Borough's power play to say, right, what are you going to do with that? And then we dominated from that point onwards. So, yeah, it was a really good performance and better in possession yesterday than than we were against Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> it was, I think, Sheffield Wednesday, I don't think we played that bad, but I know we'll come on to it. In, in a second, but it did seem yesterday that we were, you were right, I think we were more clinical with the ball, the, the side of the, we did the, the, the dark side of the games quite well and tried to outrun them at times, but we also let the ball do the work, which is sometimes we've not really done under Neil Warnock, we've had to try and outrun teams, but yesterday we tried and made the ball work, we created chances, um, and it should have really, if we were more clinical and we want to be a bit yeah, yesterday a bit, a bit more critical of the borough. We could have probably scored five or six yesterday if we did put the chances away, but we never. And and it's still three one. It's still a fantastic result. But if you want to be a bit more clinical, you could go five or six. But I think it was a really good performance from us. And Tom, the the three goal scorers yesterday, Dana mentioned it in a, in, a, in our earlier comments. But three goals from coming from the three players that Neil Warnock brought into the team. Um, we've seen a trend this year, um, and I don't think we think Borough fans have really noticed it um but when players tend to come into this side they tend to be one of the better players in that 90 minutes than someone who's been in the team for two or three weeks um i think neil warnock has created a really positive competitive environment at the borough now uh, for players to come in and say i really do not want to be dropped so they're given more than everything in each game of the player now yeah of course and um yeah, I, w- I was listening to the um, the tease phone in after the game yesterday. I think it was Craig Hignett who um, actually mentioned it. Uh, he said the 11 players on the pitch 
kind of take care of themselves, but it's the people who are out of the team that you need to worry about as they're the ones who could potentially cause issues. And I don't think we see that at, at Borough. I think it's the they come back into the team and they've all got a point to prove and they want to be in the team. Uh, they want to kind of stake their claim to a place in the starting eleven. So I, I do think the, uh, like you say, the positive kind of competitive atmosphere in the in the squad contributes to that. Uh, whereas other managers, uh, managers who the man management isn't necessarily there as much, it could go wrong. The you know they could be trying to switch it up, and the players kind of have they're not as interested in, in staking their claim because they know they're either going to be back in the team in a couple of weeks and back out of it and and, and that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. I think with with the, with the three players I've came in, Taylor, do you think that they've, they've done enough to warrant a place in the eleven against Brentford next week? I'd say so. Yeah, I mean Tav, you can't drop Tav after his performance. Tuba did really well. Um, you know, Brown uh, as well took his chance. I mean, obviously rotation will come into things, and you have to rotate Tuba with Brit. Um, it's good that Fletcher's coming back now. I would still love to see Tuba play with Brit more or when Fletcher comes back, play with um, Fletcher just a little bit off him. I'd, I'd love to see that more. But um, I'd, I think based on that performance, I would probably keep them in the side. Plus Brown being back, and that was his first start since coming back from injury, it would be good to see him get back-to-back games now just so that he can get some sort of rhythm and momentum to his game. So I would love to see Brown start. Tav, you can't drop. And it's either Brit or, or Tuba for me, but because obviously Tuba scored yesterday, I think you keep him in the side, or at least I would. Oh yeah, I think I think you have to as well. But I know you mentioned Ashley Fletcher there, and it just it does beg the question: does he does he fit into this team, or how can he get back into the team? Because since players are playing so well, obviously you have got Watmore and Marcus Brown playing very well behind the striker. Obviously, Watmore needs to sign a new deal, but we'll come on to that shortly. But uh, the the aspect of well Brown's come doing quite well when Brick comes at the side he, he does fairly fairly well but he's also he's lacking the goals to his game at the moment Tube was starting to come in um, and play a key part in the interlink as well when Mills were trying to get forward I think Ashley Fletcher where's he where's he going to fit uh, at the minute you, I think Neil Warnock has a bit of a problem on his hands Dana. A problem, but a good one, I would say, because if I was Fletcher, I'd be itching to come back with the options that we've got behind him now with, obviously, what more, Tav, uh, Brown stepping up. And then you still, I mean, we still do have Patrick Roberts, although a lot of people seem to forget that he exists now. Um, but, you know, it's, I think if I was Fletcher, I would I would want to come back and I'd be, like I said, itching to come back. I think he does get into the side 100%. Last season's top scorer, I, I don't see why he wouldn't. But whether he comes in straight away, I'm not sure. But obviously, it was a hamstring injury, so it's one of those that it's it's a bit of a dangerous injury, muscle injury. So you've got to be a little bit more careful with those players. So um, it, it will probably be eased back into things, but it's it's really good competition. Plus, I think it does allow us to, if Neil Warnock wants to, play with two up front, if that means Tuba playing off Brit or Fletcher, so be it. But... His reluctance to do it, I think, might be in part because of the lack of options. If you do play both of them, you've got no striker on the bench. So, uh, yeah, I think when when Fletcher comes back, it will be interesting to see. But I think he will he will be a main player this season for sure. But I don't think he comes back in straight away. And it might actually be the same with Housen when he comes back. And similarly, Grant Hall when he comes back in 2033 or whenever his injury is going to disappear. <laughs> 2033. So. You know, we'll see. We'll obviously see what happens. But Fletcher is a is a massive plus. The the fact that he's coming back. Tom, do you think that Dana mentioned there about Johnny House and come back into the team and, and Fletcher coming into the team as well? But Johnny House and Middlesbrough seem to be playing very very well without him. Do you think this tactical change maybe that Borough have had has re- has actually benefited the team that will, that House is actually not in the eleven? Um, I don't know. I think that sounds a bit harsh on Housen because he he does play well when he's in the team. Um, it's probably benefited us over the last few few games. Um, obviously with um the the three that we've actually not really three though is it? We've kind of got one playing behind the striker now, which which seems to be doing well. But um, you can't kind of question his his work rate, and when he's in the team, he covers a lot of grass. Uh, so I, I do think when he comes back. 
for different games, he's going to be a better option than than what we have at the moment. But definitely, over the last few few games, the the system and the team we've been playing has been working. It, it has. Um, looks like Neil Warnock's got options done. Uh, so it's you know, and you've got like the likes of House and coming for Savile, Morsey's obviously not there. You could, we could put Lewis Wing in there, but we'll come at wing later. But then also with the the striker side of things, what more Brown and you've got Fletcher there and Achuber and Akpom as well. It's just just filling the gaps as well to try and build a squad with more depth essentially for the last stages of the season where teams do start to get tired throughout the year. Um, but Dana, yesterday we seen something a little bit different from Borough. We actually scored two goals from two set players, which is near enough unheard of. Mm. Um, in Borough, um, well, now that obviously Lewis Wing scored against Birmingham as well, it's three against it's three and what, three, yeah, three set pieces in three games or something. That's like that. yeah, mental. I can't believe we're scoring <laughs> set pieces, but I need, uh, I need to chat about the short corners first before we even work on the set on the set players side of things. You see the point in Borough trying to play short corners because they just don't work, do they? They don't, we're clearly, we're clearly more dangerous. With knocking the ball in the box. Yeah, I mean, are we? <laughs> I mean, I think the the reason why we played them yesterday is because they are a physical size, and, and Neil Warnock alluded to such before the game. Um, and we are notoriously not good with corners, particularly direct ones. So I can understand the switch up to put it in the box a little bit less directly to change the angle to maybe force Wickham to step out a little bit. But you've got to get the ball in the box first, and I swear for. I don't know how many short corners we actually had in the game. I think maybe one went in the box. One of them, there was a foul on the Wiccan player, so they got free kick. The other one, I think it hit the first man or something like that, which is very borough. But it was frustrating, and I remember a few people tweeted it at the time, like, why are we doing these short corners? And then we scored from a corner, albeit not a short one, but um, it was it was still good to see. And I actually think we, we did pick up on a weakness of Wickham's when we scored that equaliser because... After that, after Brown's goal, we seemed to um, aim it towards the, the near post. And I think we could have scored three, actually, from in and around that area. There was one where Savile flicked it on and it almost, I think it was almost a, a not an on goal, but it sort of flicked off a defender, then off Dale Fry, and then I think uh, the defender cleared it on the line. But um, that was probably a, a good thing, actually, that we did find that out because... Um, like I said before, it, it alleviated the pressure from us and um, we got into the game after that and it was it was good to see us score from two corners. It, like you said, it doesn't happen very often, so um, two in one game is, is, is a late Christmas miracle, really. <laughs> who, who doesn't believe in Santa? Santa comes and gives us a goal from corners, you know what I mean? Honestly, I couldn't believe it. But I think with it... Plot twist, <laughs> Neil Etheridge is Santa Claus. Neil Etheridge. <laughs> Yeah, it is probably yeah. He he dropped the clanger and then he just dropped loads of corners from coming from, 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 from us. But exactly. uh, I think with, with that, I think with, if you want to play a short corner, I feel it has to be quick and much quicker than what we're doing. Like yeah. Yeah, for for me, we went knocking the ball to one player and then we're spraying it across the edge of the box. And by the time we spray it to the edge of the box, that team's probably created a certain line where it can, they are essentially playing the offside trip, but we're further away from the goal. We really anticipated it to be, and now appreciate sure you can get a run in and try and get Heller in there. I can see where we're trying to do it, but I think for me, we have to work a lot quicker on those short corners to really make it impactful. But two goals from two set pieces, you can't complain. But let's chat about Marcus Brown then, because we've mentioned him quite a bit already. Um, but it's his first league start yesterday for 14 months um, in, in the championship. It was his second goal of the season, obviously, one uh, being a header against Bournemouth, and again, he's got another header. so Clinical in front of goal with his with his head, Marcus Brown. Even though we we never thought that would be a, a a thing, but he's a player for me. I still very very raw, uh, but on the turn and running forward and running at defenders, I think he's absolutely frightening to watch, and he's got so much potential. I think Neil Warnock can hopefully try and get the best out of him um, in in the coming months. But Tom, how impressed were you with Marcus Brown yesterday? Uh, yeah, quite impressed. I'd like to see him do it uh, a bit more consistently before I kind of get too carried away. Um, I know first game of last season against Luton, I can't remember who it was that he turned, but everyone was like, oh my God, this is what we've been missing from the team. And then it didn't happen again. Um, 
So, I, like I said, I'd like to see him do it a bit more consistently, but he seemed to fit well in that number 10 role. I think if we're, we're going to, to carry on playing that role, him or Watmore or uh, Roberts, if, if he ever gets a game again, uh, would probably be you know three decent options for that uh, that spot. Uh, I'd, I'd agree. Um, I think with when you're saying there that we haven't seen much of Marcus Brown, but this could be the time where we do see he does have the potential there. We've seen it at Oxford um, last season, and attitude seemed to be a, a big problem of his. But it looks like what humbled him to an extent and made him work really hard on the training ground. We're hopefully going to see the, the fruit of that the next coming weeks if appreciative doesn't get injured. Um but Dana, what does what does Marcus need to do to stick into this team? Because we mentioned before there's options left, right and centre for Warnock now. Players are chomping at the bit to get back in, but what does Marcus Brown need to do to keep into the starting eleven? Play how he did yesterday. I think it's I mean his his attitude seems to have changed considerably I remember when he first came back it was actually before pre-season before the players reported back for pre-season at Rockcliffe and he, he sat down he had an interview and he said that it was a clean slate for him and that he's changed his mindset completely and I, did, I think I pinned him down as, as you know my breakout player this season I, I, I still did hope, yeah I still hope that happens I mean we're not quite there yet obviously it, it's early days but play like he did yesterday then you know he'll be on to a good one and and his performance was was really strong he linked up really well with Akpom, Tav and, and Johnson that front four really shined yesterday and um, I, I agree with Tom I'd like to see it consistently it's it's early days at the moment it was a really good performance he was probably one of the top four performers yesterday but um, you know he, he has to do it consistently he's he's set out a, a real marker now and he needs to keep that up it's a signal of, of intent obviously that, that you know he's had such a good game yesterday but he he like I said, you know, he needs to keep that up and, and hopefully he can because that means there's another option there that we can call upon when needed. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so easy to agree with you when you make those type of points. Then I can't, I can't I couldn't disagree with any of it. But I think with Tom, Dan mentioned it there, what he needs to do is stick in the team. But what would you like to see Marcus Brown build on now? Because I mentioned that, I think on the turn when he's getting the ball to feet and darting away from a defender, being very direct running forward, I think he's very, very strong. Um, but what part of this game do you think he needs to improve on Marcus Brown? Because there was a glimpse of you know, like a bit of that fiery spark that he, we, we say he has. Um, honestly, this is going to sound daft considering he scores yesterday, but he's shooting. Um, especially if he's <laughs> playing number 10. Because I've seen him hit a couple of good shots in, in games before. I can't think of a specific example, but like absolute rockets at the keeper. But also, I've seen him, you know, drag shots wide across the floor like he did a couple of times yesterday. Johnny, when we went to Blackburn away last year, he hit the post from two yards out. Um, yeah. So I think if he's going to play that number ten, uh, definitely work on on finishing and and shooting and knowing the best best times to shoot. I think the last time we had a good number ten who did that was probably um, Gaston Ramirez. Oh, bad word around these parts now, but. Uh, he uh, he at least knew the best time to shoot and and has that composure. So I think if if Brown's going to carry on playing number ten, uh, that's a big part of the that role. I'd like to see him develop. Yeah, well, he's he's still very very young, Marcus Brown. I think he's only what twenty one, twenty two. I want to say. Yeah. Um, I can't even think of top of my head. I think he's twenty one, twenty two, maybe yeah, Denner. I think he's about twenty one. Yeah. Or 22. I don't gonna know. We're going to have to Wikipedia it, aren't we? It's a lot. He's 23. Anymore. 23. Oh my God, he's so, neither of the options that we said. That's embarrassing. Anyways, so, forget that we did that. Yeah, he's, he's, he's still very, very young, still very raw. Um, and he's shown glimpses of it. And I think with, with Tom mentioned there, shooting, his decision making, I think that comes with time. I think he will get there. Um, but I think it's with Borough they have to continuously try and train those side of things uh, of his game to, to, become, to become more clinical. But I was really impressed with him yesterday. But let's talk about a player who impressed us all. He's been impressed us all season. Mr. Versatile. Um, Marcus Tavernier. Um, Dana, we see, he seemed to have found his position yesterday from the right-hand side, that right attacking midfielder role. Um, is that his position now? Do you think is that where he's, he's the most effective in a Borussia? 
In my opinion, yes. I know he has been played through the middle a lot this season. And statistically, in terms of key passes per game and you know those sorts of stats, he, he is actually quite good. I think there was a stat that came out, uh, has kept coming out actually this season about um, chances created in the Championship this season. And he's in and around the top five or six, I think, for, for players overall in, in this division. So statistically, he's he's been pretty good. Um, but I do prefer him out wide when he has the ability to just cut inside and get a shot off. Because a lot of people think Lewis Wings uh, the best shooter at the club, and, and I would agree. But not a lot of people really talk about Tav's shooting. If you think about the goals that he scored for us, I'm thinking about Bournemouth and Preston in particular. He does have a really good shot on him. And I've always had a problem with Tavernier's position because when he came through the, the team under Gary Monk as a winger, he's obviously not a direct winger and he, he would often sort of pull the ball back and, and be a little bit timid almost in his, in his approach, but he's grown so much. And already this season, he's he's just improved and um, improved not just his, in his attacking department, but defensively as well. His all-round game's really stepped up this season. And... For me, his strengths lie where he cuts inside and he gets a shot off. I think that is a really uh, dangerous uh, and a, a good dangerous trait that Borough really need to hone in on um, and Tav himself needs to hone in on it. And if we can utilise that more and have him in that right attacking midfield position where he cuts inside and chops onto his left and, and does shoot more often, then I think we, you know, we'll be good going forward and he'll be good going forward. Whether or not he will stay in that position, I'm not 100% sure, but... Um, he's he's taken a claim for for that starting berth in that position, and and long may it continue. He's been really good this season. He has he has been really good. And it's it's very Iron Robin esque where he cuts it on his left hand side and just pings it in the in the far corner. Um, it's something that we could may hopefully see more of. Um, but Dana spoke in twenty eighteen, we spoke in twenty nineteen, now in twenty in twenty twenty, and now in twenty twenty one. Has this humble pie finally been fully cooked? On the table, knife and fork out, and you're having a bite of it. I think I've already eaten it, Johnny. To be fair, um, but no, the, he's he's he has been really good this season. And the the main problem that I had with him initially is that his performances just weren't strong enough. And I can safely say that now they are because he has become a really important part of the team. And we missed him against Sheffield Wednesday. He's such an important team player. Um, and I, I would emphasise team, actually, because you've seen him get forward this season, contribute at the attacking areas of the pitch. But also, he's done his defensive bit as well. And that is such a staple of a Neil Warnock side. And he will absolutely love that Warnock. Um, so for me, he stays in that team every week. And I, yeah, I mean, it's it's weird if you play back what I said initially, which I don't disagree with because I think at the time it you know it wasn't a bold statement, but um, yeah, he's he's proved me wrong, and it's it's really good to see. And and in fairness, he's not the only one. He's you know Baller, Dyke, Steel, um, so many players this season. Savile as well. They've they've really stepped up, and it's I don't I can't think of anyone that hasn't improved under under Neil Warnock maybe wings stalled a little bit you could argue well even with Brit you know people might say Brit but I think his overall performance in terms of his team game has improved so there's a lot of good players in that side and Tav Tav is is up there as one of the best for me in terms of improvement one of the best in terms of improvement for Dana but Tom with with Max Tavani is he the the man that Millsborough should try and build a team around now because he's still very young. I think he's twenty twenty one, and also he's played a lot of games for Boring now, but he's starting to come get better and better and better. Um, do you think he's the man that Neil Wall should try and build a team around? I think he's one of the few. Um, personal opinion, I don't think you should ever build a, a team around just one player. Um, but I think he's definitely in that conversation now. I think him, uh, McNair, Fry, who I remember saying about about Fry on the previous podcast quite quite a while ago now, uh, where we were considering what, what should be done with him. Uh, I think it was towards the end of last season, and I, I said mm. kind of like the same as Ayala and Gibson under Karanka, as long as he has the right coach, um, you know, he can improve because no one would have thought they'd be our, our centre-backs parent for, for so long. But I think warnock's had that effect on on so many players and and those three in particular are kind of part of the the core of the team you can start building around uh also uh as dana mentioned baller and dyke staley he's, he's had that effect on on them as well so 
yeah, I, I think he's he's definitely at that point now where he should be one of the first names on the team sheets uh, most weeks. Yeah, I, I, I probably agree with you in terms of the aspect of building around three or four players and is trying to build that spine. I think Neil Warnock probably needs another year to really cement that as well. But whether he stays this year or, or next year, then it, it's a... Fingers crossed. Have to, we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, fingers crossed. But uh, it's just, uh, I think he probably will. I think from when he's signed everyone's contracts, I think it's, it's he's probably going to do one more year, and then we'll see what he wants to do from there. But it makes sense for him to stay, especially what he's building at the minute. But in terms of building the team around uh, Max Tavernier, and he wasn't actually playing against Sheffield Wednesday, what we've seen earlier in the week. We'll chat about him now. Um, Tom, with Boris current run of form, obviously four wins from five. And we look really solid um, for majority of the games. And I thought we played quite well against Sheffield Wednesday in stages. And when we scored the, the goal in, in the 50th minute from Duncan Watmore, I thought this could be the, the chance where we get an equaliser or even score a third um, in the game. But do you think that the game against Sheffield Wednesday was just simply a blip in the road for Boring? It was a game where you, you tend to see in the championship where anyone can beat anyone. Yeah, you'd hope so. You'd hope that was just kind of like an after-effect of... Uh, you know, they, they sacked people the day before. The players probably had a point to prove to the caretaker manager, the owner, whoever's the next manager coming in. Maybe they had a point to prove that they didn't like playing his formations, whatever. Um, you, you'd hope, yeah, it's it's just a, a blip. I think when that game happened midweek, I was kind of cautious that, you know, we, we'd had, what was it, three games on the bounce, one up to, up to then. Uh and I thought, oh god, maybe this is the start of another little bit of form where we lose a couple, then we'll go and win a few more. But to turn it around the way we did at Wickham, I think even when we went one 0 down against Wickham, I was oh god, hopefully like we can come back into it. But that that's the kind of mentality of of the the squad when we go a goal down, you know, we've got a chance of coming back into it. Whereas we can't say the same for under Woodgate last season. Um, so yeah, I, I think hopefully that's just a blip, and we've got a bit of uh, favorable favorable fixtures coming up. So uh, yeah, hopefully getting on a, a bit more of a, a winning run with those. Yeah, I think we do have uh, a few favorable fixtures coming up, and I think Dana, do you think would you agree with Tom? Do you think it was just simply a blip in the ro- a blip yesterday against Sheffield Wednesday? Or do you think it was more to surface that game? I think it was a blip in the in the road. I, I mean, I must admit, before the game actually came about I was I was just I couldn't stop thinking typical Bora even if Tony Pulis was still in charge during the game I was thinking this just screams typical Bora this game and it was it was a very odd one because on the balance of the game itself we didn't deserve to lose but based on our defending we did because they had two chances that they took because of our lapse you know lapses of concentration at the back which is very unlike Borough this season it's you know Paddy McNair had a, a real off day um and yeah it was it was only really those two moments in the game that really undone Borough and as well as our um sort of poor quality in the final third but all in all I don't think that was a game that you know I don't think the scoreline was quite right <laughs> it just didn't feel right at the time and um yeah it was it was really poor disappointing but at the same time I really I, to be honest I was expecting it it was just one of those games where I looked at it and I was like yeah we're losing that one um I know we we had a good record at, at Hillsborough I think th- if we'd have won that one it would have been four wins on the spin at um at that ground but it just it just wasn't to be and I mean we do seem to have those setbacks where we'll build up a good run and we'll have like like Tom said there I think it was three wins on the trot and then we'll <laughs> we'll come straight back down to earth with a bang uh with a with a poor defeat and I think sometimes you need that actually because you might get a little bit complacent the more wins that you get I know that sounds daft but um sometimes it, I guess it just lights a fire under the backside a little bit and um obviously we would have obviously preferred to to have won that game but um we seem to be good at bouncing back which is a, a real it, it shows the mentality change that this season from last and that is is really good to see yeah, and I, I like your point there around um around like you might have to lose one game to win the next three or four um obviously it gets puts fair up your ass but it, it, it makes absolute sense i think it, it does help you stop become complacent but then also i think the championship is so 
strange and anyone can beat anyone. It is one of the it is the best league in the world by country mile because it's just so competitive and any and don't know what type of team is going to turn up because the standard's so inconsistent. Um, and it, it's no secret that consistency does very very well in the championship. So it, for for us, I think yeah, if we can lose one every five games, uh, but the other four games you win or you draw, then going to be up there towards end. You're going to be up there uh, towards the end of the season. So I think yeah, we're, I think we're on the right tracks. We've got some good favorable fixtures, fixtures coming up. Um, but we've got a nice little question here, which which leads quite nicely into this and it's from Paul Spreadbury and he says top half results is win three drawn four loss four equals 13 points and bottom half results is one seven drawn two lost two and it's 23 points obviously losing from the bottom half and then the first one was the top half but he said you expect to do better against the weaker teams but to make the top six we are going to have to beat the teams around us what do you think we need to do to do this Um, it's one win, drawn three, lost three, six points for the top eight. Um, so, Middlesbrough are beating the teams in around them and below them, but the teams above them, we are struggling to get the results. Um, but what do you think we need to do, Tom, to, to try and turn these this form around? But also, Dan, this is not a question. If you want to jump in, jump in as well. But Tom, what do you think? I think, um, like, arguably, we, we should have won a couple of those games against the, the top six. Obviously, the one that comes to mind is the one against Norwich at the, at the Riverside, where you know it was a game of two penalties, and unfortunately, ours was rolled out. Um, I think if if you're talking about winning all of the the ones against the top six, then you're talking about automatic promotion. I think realistically, we should be looking to increase a little bit. Um, I don't think we're going to be going on to automatic promotion. But if we do increase by one or two wins, you know, decrease the losses there, that should put us in good stead for for the playoffs at the end of the season. So maybe against uh, the top six teams, I don't know how many of those are at home in the second half of the season, but in the home matches kind of really go for it and and make sure we we're winning those ones rather than, like I say, the ones against Norwich where we arguably should have won but couldn't make it happen. Um, no, it's. I think. I think with the, with the world's type of teams, it's all about quality, isn't it? I think teams that we haven't won against, um, or the, that the top eight really, as you, you think about, it, it's the teams that you expect to be up there this season. But then also teams that have really good quality and then probably better quality than what we have as a team. Yes, this team's performing remarkably well this year, um, and a lot better than what we anticipated and expected. Um, but. I think the quality, I think some teams have, like the likes of Watford, you know, Bournemouth, Norwich, who were all in the Premier League last year, um, kind of expecting them to be up there because they have the, the a big bulk of the, the, the team there, but then also they have the extra quality as well. But do you think Middlesbrough need to, to do anything more or can we set up differently in those games or can we try and implement a certain style in the game? What, what do you think we can do to, to try and turn that form around against the, the top half teams? I'm not sure to be honest. I mean, I I wouldn't say our record against the teams in the top half of the table is a, a big problem. If this was Borough of 2015-16, of course, and it would need rectifying. But we've picked up more points against the teams in the top half than we've lost. So I I mean, even in I, I would extend Tom's point there. The Watford game for me sticks out the first game of the season because I, f- I firmly believe if we'd have played them a couple of games later we probably would have got something out of that game and we actually should have on that day uh, they have, have quite surprised me the, the way that they've been struggling recently and uh, that was a game the, the, the Reading game is probably the most disappointing one for me because we I think we gave them far too much respect in that game and we we didn't twist we just stuck with the with the nil-nil and that was that's probably one of the most disappointing performances and results so far this season in my opinion but in terms of what do we have to do sometimes it's just been like you said quality sometimes it's been luck you know Tom mentioned the the Norwich game we that was another one we should have got something out of but we didn't because the Riverside pitch said no and you know it's just it the luck of the draw in that game we were dreadfully unlucky that we didn't well we did score that penalty but it was disallowed and then they went up the other end and got their own and dispatched it and, and won the game off the back of it it's just it's it's little things like that and I guess when you talk about when I talk about that the, the, the penalty 
concentration maybe there's parts of our defending that I think do need brushing up on but Warnock has said it a few times this season we're not getting the look of the green and uh, rub of the green sorry and sometimes that's what you need in those games when you are a little bit inferior in terms of quality against the sides like Norwich and Bournemouth and, and Watford and the likes of those Sometimes you just need a little bit of luck and I'm not too disheartened about it. Obviously, we'll, we'll see going into the, the next couple of months whether that changes and whether our form just com- goes completely rotten in south. But um, at the moment, I don't think it's so much a, of an issue. We've just got to keep playing the way that we are um, and hope that we can take our chances and tighten up a little bit defensively. Uh, you said taking chances and defensively setting up a lot better and Oh, and I think that's obviously that's the the beautiful making of a team, and that's what you want from from any any football club. You score more goals than you concede. Uh, but I think with with, with Borough, I think the expectation now from fans is that Borough want Borough fans want us to be in that top six because we're near it right now. Mm. And when you think at the start of the season, we had no right to be where we were because we weren't good enough last year by any stretch. Um, and I think we are overachieving at the minute, but fact that we're overachieving and we're outperforming other teams and we're outrunning other teams and we're playing some good football at times I think we thoroughly deserve to be where we are but I think top six is could be a, hey it might not and we might be in top six at the end of the season but I think it could be a step too far for us I think there is teams that could be better than us that, that probably get there ahead of, ahead of us but hey I'm not complaining I have no expectations this year yeah, I will say oh, as well though this I mean this championship season is so open you know, I oh, yeah. said I yeah. said at the beginning of the season that Watford would would run away with it. That you know they would be up there, and they're they're literally a place above us. They're just about in the top six. So I don't necessarily think. I know it sounds tough. I don't necessarily think that we need to win every game against the the top. Um, you know, the teams in the top six or the top half of the table. I think as long as we win the games against the teams that are sort of mid table, we we could be okay because there's no divine right for a team to go up this season um i don't know I, I to be fair i haven't really looked too much at the top three but i don't know whether there's um like a gap forming between maybe the the automatic promotion places um and the playoff places but it seems to be a very open-ended championship this season because so that we, you know we could easily lose against every team in the top six and still be in the top six that's how crazy it is this season and um yeah, we'll, we'll we'll obviously see what happens, but I'm not too disheartened about Borough's record. Like I mentioned, we've we've won more points against teams in the top half than we've dropped. It's just it's the draws for me that get me. I can understand a couple of defeats where you know the Stoke <clears> game we just weren't at it, but it's the draws like the Reading game um, that I would like to see us turn into victories. Um, Tom, I, I'm talking at the championship table and obviously you can see the likes of Norwich and Swansea starting to, to slowly run away with it, 47, 43 points. Um, but you've got, you've got Bournemouth, Brentford there, two high quality sides. You've got Watford there too. Reading appreciate are still up there as well. You've even got, even got like little, you've got teams that uh, you're doing surprising quite a lot. Like you, when you look at Barnsley, who are eighth, when they were Elliot's surprise team to watch this year. So it was a good call for him. You've got Stoke there, Bristol City. Who can come good as well? It's it's very very competitive. Um, do you think it could? It, do you think it could be a stretch too far for for Borough to take this top six? But are you, are you actually optimistic that we could potentially do it if we had the right players in the transfer window? Yeah, I'm I'm optimistic. And just to to go back on on your previous point, I wouldn't necessarily say we're overachieving too much either. I mean, compared to last year, we are. But also, you've got a different manager and you got to think like a lot of our players the big money signings um and they'd probably get into a lot of other championship clubs quite easily talking likes of like Brit, Savile, Housen so I think with an experienced manager in charge we are around where we should be but also uh just to go back to what you said there adding the, the right players we could be even better there's no reason why if we weren't assign someone like you know, Balassi and another winger. Um, I don't know who, el- who else has been mentioned. I know Grisicki had, but I think he might be a bit out of our reach now. Um, but there's no reason if we were to get those signings, we couldn't push up a little bit higher and, you know, consistently be in those playoff places for, for the rest of the season, I think. I think 
we are where we should be based on the size of the squad at the moment. And Warnock is doing a hell of a job to to get the best out of them. Uh, I was, uh, and understand I sounded a lot like Pulis there. Hell of, hell of a job and hell of a club and stuff. But, uh, you know, that, that factor of having the experienced manager in, albeit with a small squad, I think... They're, they're all given 110% this year, and with the right couple of additions, there's no reason why playoffs aren't uh, realistic. It is about the, the the additions that we try and bring in um, in this transfer window. Let's try about the transfers a little bit, and let's talk about outgoings first. That could potentially happen. Um, Lewis Wing, we heard a little. Few, we've had a few murmurs and rumours from our friends from from the Finney uh, podcast and from the Finney uh, uh, Preston fans, and they're very in the know in terms of. Uh, bought like fan boards, but then also like press stuff like that, and they were quite closely with, with Preston as well. And it was interesting to see the messages the, the other day about Lewis Wing potentially moving to Preston um, in a deal. Now we, we could just be this. Yeah, obviously, we we don't know the, the falling out. This might not be true, but of course, it could potentially happen. Uh, but Dana you should be surprised to see Millsborough lose Lewis Wing given that he gave us a Christmas present um at Birmingham it was like a wing and a manger with that corner that corner goal in the the thirty yard strike. So it's uh would you be surprised to see him go, especially with that good performance he had against Birmingham? Yes, but not on the back of that performance. I'd be more surprised just because of the, the, the squad depth or lack thereof. Um, you know, he, he is a value he, he can be a valuable player for a team. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on um, and does well wherever he goes, if it is Preston, because if a, if a team can really not build around him, but hone in on his, his talents and work on his weaknesses, they could have a really good player on their hands. And I would be somewhat surprised to see him go. But at the same time, he, he and Hayden Colson actually are probably one of the play, or two of the players that I can actually see leaving. Um, because they'll want to play, they'll want to have the opportunity. Plus, wing is in a position where we're quite stacked, considering that you know, given the, the fact that we are, we do have quite a, a thin squad. Even despite that, midfield is is quite stacked. Um, so his chances might be, well, will probably continue to be a little bit limited. I mean, he doesn't really come off the bench because why would you change anything in, in that engine room that that is uh, fed so well for us? So. On one hand, I wouldn't be surprised. On the other hand, I would just because of the the options that we have. <laughs> options, Don. <laughs> options. Um, Tom Dana mentioned it as well with with the the side of the the, the squad depth not being there um, this year. We haven't got we haven't got. We know we were saying we have options in certain areas of the pitch, but defensively we are very very light. Um, and then Lewis Swing as well is is a player that could probably fit in the number ten role. I was saying that from the Finney. Uh, to saying that Lewis Wing is majestic in around that 25 yard box. Um, you know, he's great on the ball, can spread a ball 40, 50 yards, whatever you want. He could, he could probably do that. Um, but from that, uh, off the ball, I don't think he's as great as what we could potentially make out. Um, but needs and needs a lot of work there. I'm not saying he's bad, I'm saying he needs a lot of work to get to a, a much better standard and become an all round better midfielder. Um, but what Dan mentioned there, would, would you be surprised? that if Wing was to go, but also if Wing was to go, who should we look at to potentially bring in to try and fill that void? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if he did go, uh, just because I don't feel like he's the type of player that Warnock really fancies in this team. I think Warnock's had a couple of press conferences, mainly pre-season, where he was saying we want players who are like a seven or eight every week. And I don't think Lewis Wing has that consistency. I think there's some some games where it can be a nine or a ten, but then he could go missing in the next game and and be like you know four or five. And I agree with you, Johnny, that he he needs a lot of work. Uh, and again, not not saying he's bad, but he needs a lot of work to to get that consistency and be the type of player uh, that he should be. If he was to go, I'd expect that we replace him with another kind of uh, you know high work rate midfielder. Um, you know, like I say, Warnock will be looking for another seven or eight consistent weekly uh, midfielder to to join Savile, House, and Morsey. So I'd, I'd fully expect to see that type of player replace him uh, if if he comes in. Uh, if, uh, sorry, if if Wing leaves, uh, it's it's hard to think of a, of a name of who you'd want to bring in. Should should Borough 
look towards the lower divisions, Tom? Or can we look at maybe Premier League loans to try and fill that void a little bit? Um, what would, what would you prefer, we, we, really? Would you, would you prefer... Do you prefer like a, a loan, or would you prefer like someone who's coming in from like a lower league or championship side to try and keep the hit the ground running? Really, I think I'd probably prefer a permanent uh, solution, so championship or, or lower leagues. I know in the past, I think he's actually getting his game at Forest now. But like Ryan Yates was uh, mentioned pre-season. I don't know a lot about him other than when I've managed him on Football Manager and. He, he was consistent <laughs> for me on that, so I can't complain. Um, but also, I can't remember who it was recently who mentioned uh, Alex Mowat from from Barnsley. Maybe a little bit out of our price range now of how Barnsley are doing, but he's he's a player I've always rated as well. Yeah, Alex Mowat is a great shower. I know, Dana, you smiled when Tom said that, so he must be on your shopping list as well if we can maybe get uh, Alex Mowat in. Yeah, of course. I mean, he was uh, when we like drafted a transfer list early season before the season began. He was one of the players on mine, and yeah, I've I've rated Alex Mort for a lot uh, for a long time. He's obviously dropped down a division from his time at Leeds to build himself back up, and those are the types of players I think we should be looking at. Players that have maybe once been at Championship level, but have had to take the knockback a little bit. Corley Woodrow's another one actually at Barnsley that I would also take that has made the drop down a division and, and built himself back up and has become a really important player for Barnsley in the Championship. So um, I'd obviously have to do a little bit of reading and research on players similar to that. But those types of players for me are probably ones that, that we should look to be getting and, and not too dissimilar to Tube Ratpom actually. Obviously he was in England and he's went elsewhere, obviously to Greece, to change his career a little bit and to reignite it almost and um, if we could go for players like that that would be fantastic but yeah Alex Moore would, would be a fantastic signing he is absolutely out of our uh, price range and just our reachability just because of the position that Barnsley are in and the financial position that I think every team is in at the moment with Covid but if we could maybe go for him in the summer um, that would be an absolutely fantastic signing would be uh it would be a great addition but it would also create a lot of competition for places to get him in at the side given the form of george savile this year and uh, alex not sorry not alex, but, yeah, um, george, george savile uh sam morsey and uh johnny Housen as well um and obviously tasks have been has been in that position as well but sam morsey again has been a sensational signing i think he was i know we haven't mentioned him but 11 out of 10 performance from, from me yesterday i was Oh, you put the tweet out on everything I've seen there. Um, what would you give him? I would give him anything that he wanted. He was that good yesterday. Yeah. Uh, it was. I thought he was brilliant. But I think one player I would love to bring in, and like, I know I've said on a couple of podcasts, but I absolutely love my second team of Anderlecht. I absolutely love them. I love like what. I know, even though we've got Lucas and Ametcha playing up front at times, and uh, Vincent's pulling the strings a little bit, but Albert's uh, Albert Sambi Laconga. Oh my goodness gracious me! Twenty-one-year-old centre defensive mid. Um, he's gonna be some player. Like you need to have a look at him. I feel like do you know that guy that tweeted boy with uh, N'Golo Kante. If you look oh, at him, yeah. this is my uh, this this is my N'Golo Kante call. Like I feel like uh, uh Sambi's a he's a good good player. And obviously he's he's in out the team because he's so young, but he's very very good. Um, so I'm just hey, really boy. thankful you never said Michelle Vlap to be honest. <laughs> Michelle Vlap, nah, another, nah, yeah, I, another I, one who was messed me about on Football Manager. Yeah, Yari Vashkaran though, he's he's very, very good, but he'll be going to like a top four, top six team in the future. And absolute baller. Um but yeah, good little team on the next the the average age is only twenty two. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Talk about talk about talk about a young side. Um Bora was twenty average twenty five yesterday, but it was yeah, on the left, twenty two year old. Yeah, Taylor Swift, yeah. Uh but now Vincent Company is doing uh I know that's, that's why. Do you know why? That's why I skated over that because I thought, you know what? I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to give you. I'm not going to give you the attention that does that didn't deserve there, Tom. You know what I mean, you can t- you can tell you've you've made your claim and you're a permanent member now, can't you? <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, yeah. Vince is doing a decent job, so yeah. Uh, Sam Bila Conga, Bora, watch him, watch him. That is my Angola County shout. Um, but anyway, let's show incomings. Um, I want to chat about one that's very, very close um, to us as a team because he's already at the club. 
Duncan Watmar, he's our top scorer um, for the Borough this year, and he's only really been playing for a month as well. It's crazy to see, but he hasn't signed a new deal yet, Tom, um, and it's set to expire on the 18th of January. Much of a shame would it be if we if we let Duncan Watmore go, given the performances that he's been playing? I, I really hope we don't. Um, I mean, the, the last time I was on here, I, I said maybe give him like an 18-month contract. Um, just I, I think he has deserved it. I know I was on Facebook during the week. I think it might have been like the the Chronicle or, or something like that. It popped up on my feed, and it was uh, about what what more and all these Sunderland fans are saying. He scored as many goals for Borough in a month as he has in our, his entire time here, uh, and it's it's clear we're getting the best out of him. Um, you know, Warnock rates him, and he's given the chance, and he he's took the chance. I'd I'd hope that we we managed to to hang on to him. I know there's like a lot of talk at the moment of other teams coming in, in for him. Hopefully that's just kind of like drummed up by agents to to get a little bit more money. But I think from what Warnock said, he's got a desire to play here. Um so yeah, fingers crossed we can extend that deal. Yeah, it would be a shame to like see him to see him go, but then I think Tom mentioned it there. Do you think this is just a simple case of a uh, an agent trying to say, Duncan, what more stay where you are, like not stay where you are, but don't make a decision yet because we're going to see if we can get you a better deal at Middlesbrough or we're trying to get you a better deal elsewhere. Do you think it's just simple agent games trying to try and get the best deal for his client? Yeah, probably. But I mean, like Tom said, you know, he's, he is better off here. He's playing probably the best football he has done in a while if not in his career he's fit he's playing he's an important part of of the uh, of the team of the squad and he's playing under a manager that thrives on getting the best out of players so it it doesn't make any sense for him to be anywhere other than a borough but i i feel like it might just be a case of he's waiting to the 11th hour to make a decision because he's the type of player obviously with the injury that he's had or the injuries that he's had where he needs to be 100% set in stone that this is the best um, club for him and and you know I will say and a lot of other Borough fans will say as well that this is but he needs to make sure that he is 100% with that and he needs he probably needs reassurances as well that this is a, a long-term move for him, whereas Borough might be a little bit sheepish almost, or, or reluctant is probably the better word, to give him a, a long contract because of his injury history. So it might just be a case of, he obviously he wants to stay, to stay because Neil Warnock has mentioned that, and he seems like a decent guy, uh, what more, that just wants to play football. So it's probably just a, a waiting game. I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he signs right before his his contract expires. But if he doesn't, and we're left with egg on our faces like Shea Given Gate, then it's it's more his loss, I'd say, because he's playing at a club now that really that he's really thriving at. So fingers crossed, he, we can get it over the line. Um, I feel as though to answer your question, that it is just agents drumming up interest. I think it would be a shame. I think you, you said some really valid points there as well. Um, I think with, with with what Bora are doing um, right now, I think should be reluctant to give him a two, three, four year deal because of what he's done in, injury wise. But I think if you're in Duncan Watmore's position, I feel like oh, you are still getting quite a lot of money like per week um, in comparison to the average person. Um, and I know it might not be the best deal on the table, but Thing sometimes you might have to to get the crap now um, or like a, a lesser deal and now build yourself back up again and then you can move in like 18 months time if you haven't been injured and you've done well at Middlesbrough and you can move on and probably get a much better deal somewhere else um, if I said that's what you do so that's what my position would be on it and I thought what, what, what more would, see, would feel the same but if if he does go, then fine. Thanks for the thanks for the memories, Duncan. Thanks for the the, the two months of service, and then uh, uh, we'll see if we can get someone in from there. But let's chat about Brentford. Let's move on. Let's chat about the, the FA Cup fixture um, uh, on next next Saturday. Yeah, so Brentford are flying high and fourth in the in the Championship table. But FA Cup, anything can happen. But Dana, I know you've done your research, and Tom as well. So pass the mics over to you. Yeah, they're they're in a really rich vein of form at the moment. They are undefeated in their last five games. They've won four of them and and drawn the one. Um, 
we know what Brentford uh, are like this season. They're a team that bore similarities to Borough when we lost uh, the playoff final and then we bounced back uh, the next season. Albeit we, we obviously scraped by a little bit with that uh, final day game against Brighton, but you know, they possess a player that is absolutely outstanding in this division, Ivan Tony. Um, 16 goals and four assists in 22 games. I think he's pretty much scored, I would say, 80-90% of, of their goals this season. In fact, um, if I just look at the stats here, their next top scorer is Marcus Force with uh, five goals. He's actually an interesting um, talent because he's he's come off the bench. He was on loan in League One, I think, last season. Um, and, you know, he's he's been doing very well. Sergi Canos is, is playing, I think, the best football that he's played for, for Brentford at the moment. Four goals, two assists. Uh, Mbwemo, uh, six assists, three goals this season. They've got a lot of flair in their side and, and a lot of good players. You know, Rico Henry, really wanted Borough to sign him before uh, he went to Brentford. He's a fantastic player. Um, you know, they've, they've got a fantastic squad. And the fact that they're not top two for me is is unbelievable. Um, but you know they they will be up there obviously towards towards the end of the season they will go up um they're a team that that don't really score many goals through through set pieces in compared to in comparison to open play uh, 64% of their goals have been scored through open play um and they they just like to work the ball uh, along the floor you you won't get a wickham out of uh Brentford they are a team that really like to play football and and Thomas Frank who Looks like a bit of a rock and roll teacher, doesn't he? He's he's a very um, crazy looking guy. The but... music teacher. <laughs> yeah, rock music teacher. But um, yeah, they've got. It doesn't look like doesn't look like Mickey Flanagan though. <laughs> uh, Gary Ainsworth did yesterday. Oh my God, Gareth Ainsworth! That was um, didn't I think Warnock said after the game that he, he wanted to wear a wig and, and wear chinos um, in order to uh, Gareth Ainsworth. It was quite funny. I would love to see that, but. Um, I'd love yeah. to see that, yeah. <laughs> They've actually got a, a, another cup game before us, Brentford against Spurs um, in the League Cup. So, yeah, that'll be... It'll be interesting to see how they cope with back-to-back um, cup games and the game that we played against them earlier on in the season. Actually, played, I, th- I thought we played quite well. It was a nil-nil draw. Um, we'll see what happens this game, but um, am I bothered about a, league, uh, uh, about a cup draw, a uh, cup run? Absolutely, it would be fantastic to see. Is anything to add? Anything to echo? Would you like to see a couple? Um, I, I think I'm the opposite. I'm not too bothered about it this year. Obviously, any other year, I think uh, a cup run would be fantastic. Um, you know, we've had some some great cup runs in in the time. Um, but with with the squad as thin as it is, not I wouldn't be too bothered if if we got knocked out. What I'd, I would like to see is some of the the players on the fringes kind of given a chance uh, against Brentford. Nathan Wood, I'd expect to see start the game. Possibly Coulson, um, wing. Uh, it, as long as long as we're not trying to uh, like knock cup tie him, um, I think that'll be uh, quite telling if uh, if he doesn't yeah. play. But um, yeah, I, I think there's players that should be given a chance against them. Um, I, I think if we had a full squad. You know, if, if going back to like when we had the the cup runs under Karanka, we had two players for every position. You can swap them in and out with the team. For this, like we're having to play players out of position at times. So, not not this year. But if if we continue to build, and we have a full squad next year. Uh, yeah, I'd I'd be more bothered about a cup run then. Uh, obviously, it could financially it could be quite a good thing for Bora this year. But I kind of echo your thoughts there, Tom. I I don't really see a cup run as a massive. Not, not massive. I wouldn't say it's a massive deal this year. I really don't think it is. I think it's just, yeah, it might be exciting for one or two games, but I can't see anything past that, to be honest. I, I don't see much point. I think it's just more games for us to play this year. Than we, the, than the financials really... as well, though, like, if we were to get, like, a big team in the next round, it doesn't really matter because ticket sales aren't a thing in the next round. So it'll have to yeah. literally go off TV rights, maybe. Yeah, that's it. You, you don't really. I don't think you really benefit this year, um, which is a shame because you, some teams might have the best cup or whatever, and not fans might be able to witness it um, in, in person. So, strange one, really. But let's let's talk about predictions. What are you thinking for this game? Do you think Borough will go through, or do you think Brentford will uh, turn us over on on Saturday? I am gonna go for two 0 Brentford. I think their quality will show. 
we obviously got a good result against them in the league, nil nil. I actually thought we should have won that game, but I think their quality will will show in this game. So I think two nil Brentford. Two nil Brentford for Dana. Tom. I was going to go two nil Brentford, but uh, now that it's it's kind of been taken, I, I think I'm going to look at it a different way. If if Brentford play their first team in the Carling Cup. So Carling Cup, Carabao Cup. I'm, I'm never going to stop calling it the Carling Cup. Uh, if they play their first team against Will always Thursday, be the Carling Cup. Uh, if they play their first team then, um, they, they might see the FA Cup the same way Warnock's apparently seeing it and a chance to rest players. So I'm going to go 1 0 Borough win. 1 0 Shithousery win for the Borough and 2 0 defeat for Dana. Oh, God, I, I don't know. I, I don't think what. It's, I think it's difficult. I think it depends what teams we play. And I know it's, it sounds ridiculous, but I think on paper, I think we probably will get beat 2 1 or something daft like that. I can't see us, can't see us winning. Um, just given that one, I could probably want to rest players. And I think they probably will as well, but it's, it's interesting to see what happens. Speaking but... of uh, predictions, by the way, shout out to my dad who correctly predicted 3 1 for the first time in about how many attempts is it? About 230. It was, um, yeah, three three one. Davy Malt. It was. Well, I said on the on the start, Halloween of twenty seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> Every week he's been going for this three one win, and it's finally happened. Yeah, it's finally happened. I, I hope like he had some money on it. He doesn't. Well, thank God he doesn't, because the amount of money that he would have lost before that. But um, no, I think I'm sure that <laughs> was there not a league cup game maybe that we won three one in. I I can't remember, but I know there was a. There was a game where he went for a certain, or he was going to go for a certain score, and then he changed it, and then it was the the score that he went with first. So he's not had great luck, but it's good to see my dad got a prediction right for the first time yesterday. So, yep, shout out to my dad. Shout out to Davey, but hey, he wasn't on my board breakdown database, which I'm currently <laughs> making. So it's uh, damn it, oh, I had two one as well. Uh, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. So, what do you know, Dana? Um, but that's pretty much it guys thank you very much for joining me as always and thank you very much as a listener uh, for listening Middlesbrough kick off the 20 to 2021 uh, year with a bang um, with a win at Wickham that takes us to 7th in the championship this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast and that all of your match day chatter the pod Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.